Hi, Dr. Phil Flox, also known as John Billingsley, speaking. I am the president of the board of the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific multi-course meals to the unhoused and to those in need seven nights a week. We assist as many as 100 nonprofits with their food needs, buttressing extraordinary social service programs. We work with community partners to address issues of food insecurity here in SoCal. We do lots of other great stuff, but how much time do we have? If you're in L.A., come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org slash volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets, our pins, have character. Parties, car chases, and aliens filling up a starship faster than Edward's Tribbles. Just a day in the life from the crew of the USS Cerritos. Jump in the turbo lift, hit the down button, folks. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek, Lord X. Thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. Episode 5, An Embarrassment of Duplers, had all kinds of stuff happening, from welcoming a new and very strange alien to the Star Trek Universe, to Rutherford doing some pretty intense soul-searching, to Boimler and Mariner doing anything to get into the big party. Uh, And speaking of parties, it's always a party here on Discovering Trek Lower Decks, And even though Sarah is on a highly classified away mission for Section 31, I'm going to have a blast with these two guys sitting at the table with me. Uh, But I got to say, my biggest nightmare is for Casey to be a dupler and end up having millions of him running around. A big welcome to my Lower Decks team. Welcome back, Bill and Casey and Casey, Casey, Casey and Casey. Hi. 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 I'm glad that we could be here for this session. Yeah, I'm glad I could be here, too, I think. Well, Bill, you know, uh, you've been a little under the weather, and I'm glad that you could uh, stick it out for us, buddy. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, too, Casey. Uh, It should be an interesting discussion, and we do miss Sarah as we uh, love to get her opinion on it. But you know what? We'll make do. We'll make do. Sarah Uh, is the glue that holds this show together, and we are just going to run amok tonight. I can see it now. No doubt. (laughs) Amok! Amok! No doubt at all. Uh, well, it's great to be here with you guys as always. But before I begin, before we begin our discussion on this week's episode of Lower Decks, Bill, why don't you tell us uh, how our listeners can get in touch with us to give us their thoughts on an embarrassment of duplers? I love that. Word. Sure, <laughs> duplers. Sure thing, Dan. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. So listeners, we definitely want to hear from you. And the best way to do that is to get yourself the Trek Geeks mobile app for your iOS or your Android device. Download it and tap the more button for a whole bunch of ways to get in touch with us. And while you're at it, you can check out our brand new app exclusive shows that you're not going to be able to get anywhere else. Head to trekgeeks.com slash app app for all the details. Plus, you can join the most positive Star Trek Facebook group there is. It's Camp Kittimer, and it's the official Facebook group of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. It's super easy to join. Just head on over to Facebook, search for Camp Kittimer, 
answer a few quick questions, and we're going to let you right in to take part in all the fun and positive discussion. Like Dan, it's just so incredibly simple. I mean, you won't believe how simple it is, and Dan is pretty simple. A big thank you to our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark, for the amazing job they do running the camp. But of course, please remember that any comments or messages you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode, Dan. It's very possible. It's very possible. Thanks, Bill. Black alert. Black alert. So before we start our discussion, we want to warn listeners that this episode of Discovering Trek Lower Decks does contain spoilers. So if you haven't watched Star Trek Episode 5 of Lower Decks, stop listening right now, head on over to Paramount+, Plus, check it out, head back over here to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments, character details, and a whole bunch of weird aliens from an embarrassment of duplers. So, guys, episode five, Embarrassment of Duplers. Um, it'll be an interesting conversation, even without Sarah, I'm sure, because uh, there was a lot going on in this episode. And, uh, Casey, I want to start with you, man. Mm. Uh, first of all, I want to know what you thought. Did you like the episode? And then what did you like specifically about it? And we'll kind of build off of your talking point, so to speak. Right on, man. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I, I found that... Um, <laughs> I was very much brought back into a Blues Brothers type feel in certain parts of this entire episode, especially with the Argo going nuts through the mall. You know, seeing that Vanguard style Starbase was <laughs> so cool. Because like in, in like that, right? <laughs> I mean, in my head, it's always I always think DS9, DS9, DS9 when I'm thinking of Starbases now. And then I saw that, and I was like, oh. Yeah, that's the aesthetic. Um, I kept wondering about certain things as we're going along and the things that really hit me, and we can discuss this some more later, but I was like, when when did Kirk and Spock, you know, not make the party cut, go to the go to the kind of dive bar? Like what era in their career was this happening? Because there's a lot of ways where it could have been, eh, who's, who's this upstart young captain, you know, making all these crazy mm, decisions? Or is it later on when, you know, that whole crew is very decorated and are people jealous? I don't know. I just, that just kind of kept running through my head. And then finally, come on, let's, let's love on this. Corks is franchised. <laughs> yes, it is. Cork gets what he wanted finally. I mean, everything in that cool little line of, hey, this, you know, this used to be the empty lot. Kids made bad decisions here type of a thing. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we've all been there. But Cork's <laughs> yep. making the dough. So he is. I love Hopefully. the episode. I love it. It's interesting that you talk uh, about the Kirk and Spock uh, putting their names in the bar table because when you think of it, there, there are a couple of different ways you could look at it. If this was the, um, uh, Kelvin timeline, which it's not, they worked together right from the beginning of their career, kind of. But in in the real Star Trek mm-hmm. universe, the the prime timeline, they didn't really know each other until Kirk became captain of the Enterprise, I would think. So that must have happened later on in their life, which makes it kind of interesting that that etching would take place in the bar. And I know that Bill's got a couple of thoughts on that, which we'll get into later. But I thought it was kind of interesting that they decided to go with that because when you really start thinking about it, it could raise even more questions than it answers. Bill? I I don't disagree with that. I mean, I I think it has to be later in their career because you think about the time when when Kirk is talking about uh, 
or talking at the end of Star Trek five. He's like, you know, I lost a brother once, you know, I was glad I got him back. You know, they have that familial bond, you know, the big three of the original series, Kirk Spock bones. And so I either have like Casey, I have to believe this is either super early on because we don't really see bones mentioned or it's yeah. really much later on in their career. And they just happen to be, you know, either I doubt they got kicked out of the party. <laughs> so I have a feeling that Kirk is like, I really don't want to go to this thing. And, and, and they just sort of wandered into the bar either way. The carving in the bar seems just really odd and out of character. It, to me. It, that's what I was going to mm-hmm. say based on mm-hmm. what you said. If it's later on in their career, I just don't see Kirk getting a laser scalpel or a Swiss Army knife and starting to get in there and digging his and Spock's name in there. And what would Spock even be doing at the bar? He would have followed Jim. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, point. but I mean, there are those who say that, you know, this carving of Kirk plus Spock in the bar is evidence of shipping between those two characters or some kind of romantic relationship saying, well, now it's canon. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just not on board with that. And no. it's not because I, I don't think it's possible. It's just because that's not the relationship we know they had. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they were best friends. They were brothers. And while it's odd they'd carve their names in a bar, uh, I have to believe that it served the same purpose as it did for Mariner and Boimler, who were also not in a romantic relationship. I find it mm-hmm. interesting that you bring that, that part of it up and and Casey, what do you think about this? Do you think that it's possible? And I'm, and I'd love to to rack Mike McMahon's brain about this. Do you think it's possible that Bill kind of kind of kind of makes mention of that? Maybe the writers did this on purpose to kind of say, you know what? We hear all this talk out there in in on the internet webs. Um, maybe let's just throw a little something in to get the conversation rolling. I think one hundred million gazillion percent. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that writer's room is so smart, and there's a whole different plethora of people in there that I'm sure this type of thing came up. And then they said, hey, if we just put this in here and we don't give it a specific meaning, but we acknowledge it, then people on either side of this discussion can be thrilled about it, can be excited, and and move from there. So they definitely knew what they were doing. Well, and let's also not forget that, I mean, the very first Star Trek fan fiction that was written out there was the shipping mm-hmm. of Kirk and Spock, and that's going back almost 50 years. So, I, I mean, it's existed for a while. Uh, to me, it seems like a, a tip of the hat to some of that early fan fiction by some amazing writers and some great Star Trek fans. But I, for me, I have to think it serves the purpose of cementing the friendship back for Mariner and Boimler, who are, and yet they're back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's really what it comes down to for me. I can agree, I can agree with that. And Bill, since we're since since you just finished up that last that last comment, what did you think about the episode as a whole? I mean, uh, one of the things that I did like, and I'm going to get into my opinion in the episode later, but the Starfleet party was was kind of cool, even though it wasn't. What do you think? I think the Starfleet party is the worst idea of the episode. Quite frankly, <laughs> it was fun. It was fun, but the idea that Oh, can't we all agree to some extent that an organization like Starfleet, which tries very hard to be a meritocracy and very non-exclusionary with its personnel, Mm -hmm. would have an exclusive party that would leave out members of Starfleet who show up at the door? That just doesn't really ring true to me. I like the episode. I had fun with this episode. Um, With everything from the callbacks to the pacing to the, the adventure that ensued, 
Plus, I, I thought it was good to reset the Mariner-Boimler friendship and get them back to where we want to see them at this phase of the season. But that party just really is kind of eh, to me because I, I don't see it happening in Star Trek. Right. But that's just me. No, that's a good point. And, 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 and I, did, I did like the, the Starfleet party. I thought that was kind of neat to have it. Your points are extremely valid, and, and I hadn't thought about them before you just brought them up. But yeah, they would not just leave anybody uh, out at the door to go to the, to go to the bar. Casey, what do you think of the party itself? I thought the party served a, a good plotline point. It's just reinforcing that the Cerritos, they're all outsiders. It yeah, doesn't matter if True. you're lower deck or upper deck. You are on the outside of Starfleet. And as they say, doing the jobs nobody else wants to do. So that, that theme worked for me. But like, like Bill said, I was like, going, and really, you bring all these captains together for this party? Is this party really secret? So your enemies don't know <laughs> where to destroy a starbase to well, really screw the Federation instantly? I'll tell you what, that made me think of uh, Star Trek, the Kelvin timeline, when Harrison showed up at Starfleet headquarters when they were having the big meeting and just started opening fire on the windows and killed everybody, including Pike. That brought that actually came into my mind mm, saying, yeah. everybody's in the same location. That's yeah. not a good thing. So... It's really I not. Know. I mean, it, it's a fun construct. I mean, I'm not going to take away from it and say that it, it's it's terrible because it's not. There's a lot of fun that gets generated because of this party. There's a lot of decent character development that gets generated because mm -hmm. of this party. So in the ter terms of the episode, I, I think it's fun. As an idea, I'm not a huge fan. Okay. No, that's good to hear. Um, I'm glad that both of you guys liked it. I will probably be the odd man out uh, with my comments, once we have our uh, regular discussion about fansets, uh, I don't think you're going to like what I'm going to say. Folks, we want to take a moment as we do each and every week to thank fansets for being our exclusive sponsor here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. We could not be more proud of the partnership we have with fansets because really, to put it, it's so simple. They produce the finest quality Star Trek product money can buy, and their Star Trek pins are the only officially licensed pins in the Quadrant or Georgia. <laughs> the latest <laughs> bunch of releases are just more examples of the amazing work they do. Head on over to fansets.com right now to pick up the newest pins available, like General Martok or Chancellor Galron. Mm -hmm. And also the incredible Women of Trek continues with number one from the upcoming Strange New Worlds. And hey, there are still a few of the special edition seven of nine women of Trek pins left. Uh, so get yours before it's gone, because once that sells out, they're gone forever, friends. Now, this pin is simply a work of art with a stunning image of seven from season one of Picard, along with the Borg and the Fenris Ranger logos. Now, as always, friends, you get to save money each and every week just for being a Discovering Trek Lower Decks listener. Head on over to fansets.com and place a whole bunch of stuff in your cart. And then at checkout, enter the special discount code Lower Decks. That's L O W E R D E C K S in all capital letters with no spaces. And that'll get you 10% off your entire order. And don't forget that our US customers will get free shipping if you spend $30 or more. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the exclusive sponsor of Discovering Trek. Okay, guys, let's wrap up this discussion about the episode in our roundtable. I'm going to give you some of my points about the episode, and I'll probably will be surprising both of you and many of our listeners. I did not like this episode. 
This was, to be honest, this is the least favorite episode of the entire series for me, all of season one and season two so far. Why? I, it's, I got to tell you, a lot of people like the Duplers. They thought it was funny, and and a lot of people are saying, or a lot of people that I've talked to are saying, oh, it's just the same as Edward's Tribbles, which I made mention of when we opened the show. But the ridiculousness to me of how the Dupler race duplicates when they get anxious. It just didn't work for me because that planet would be overridden in seconds if you're looking at an entire race of these aliens that have that same air quote problem. So the fact that they brought one on the ship and then, of course, on the Cerritos, everything goes wrong that can possibly go wrong. It just it just kind of really took took it took the wind out of my sails, Bill. Well, unless on their home planet, they don't have that anxiety. They only have it when they go out into space which is probably part of the reason that that one Dupler was in space to begin with. I Look, I love Richard Kind. I think he's an amazing talent. Um, and I actually really love the concept of the Duplers because I don't think it's any less um, fantastic or implausible as any of the other humorous elements that Star Trek has introduced over 55 years. Um, well, I think there I, have been things that have, have been equally as, huh? But I think this one's more enjoyable. In fact, this I think this is probably one of my favorite episodes of Lower Decks. That's I love that you say that. But the thing that's weird is that I was thinking these same things too. There are far more crazier things that we have seen happen in Star Trek, whether it's in Lower Decks, an animated series, or in any of the real live live action shows. But for me, I don't know. Maybe it was just the mood I was in when I was watching. But I'm like, this is this is not this is not interesting me at all, and. It was very, for me, um, you could tell what was going to happen next. It was going to get, everybody was going to get crammed in and, and Tendi and Rutherford are going to have to figure out a way to escape while still talking about Rutherford's issues that he has with, with having his mm-hmm. memory back. It was very predictable for me, that aspect of the show. So it really, it really took a lot of it out. And the other thing that just completely deflated my tires was, <laughs> to me, I know that you like the Argo scene, Casey, with, with the chase scene. But for me, that was just empty and wasted time. It seemed like it was a 10-minute car chase, and the entire episode is only 28 minutes long. So for me, I'm like, how many times are they going to go around corners and go upstairs and have data heads bubbling around in the water? It just, it just didn't work for me. Dan, we got a long way to go and a short time to get there. <laughs> and we're going to do exactly. what they say can't be done. Exactly. I, that was, it was Smokey right? and the Bandit all the way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I Absolutely. Bought, I, I yeah. hear what you're saying. If, like, and if you're not in it, you're not in it. But I was like, I love some of the time choices that they make of, of what they focus on, which would not normally be what you see in a, a TV show. Mm-hmm. Because like you're saying, to spend that amount of time on that crazy chase... <laughs> I was like, oh, they're they're committing to this. This is another thing like them recreating the you know the TMP. Oh, look at the ship! Oh my gosh, forever <laughs> scene. And yeah, I mean, if you don't dig it, you don't dig it. But I was just looking at that, and I'm like, going, so are we getting like a Jerry Reed voice cameo type thing here any moment now? Because I I'm, I just keep getting that feel. Oh. I, now, well, and I'll, I, I think will, go ahead. I th- sorry, I think they needed a side quest because that's what we mm-hmm. needed to cement their friendship. And the fact that this chase goes through various iterations in in places we don't normally see things in Star Trek go, for me, I think kept it interesting enough. 
I did like the aspects in the chase, even though I didn't like the chase and I thought it was way too long. I did like how they threw some callbacks in there because that's what we love about Lower Decks is they, they do the callbacks very subtly. The Gorn, the Antedians, that wasn't so subtle, but um, it was still good to see <laughs> stuff like that. So I can, I can appreciate the things that we saw during the chase. I, just for me, it just, it just it seemed like a lot of... If this was a whole episode, that scene would have been the f- a filler episode, as we call them sometimes in, in some of the different shows of Star Trek. Well, but, but it wasn't, because, I mean, that's the reason why the episode was structured the way it was. And it bounced back between everything, I think, pretty adeptly. The one thing we haven't talked about this week is um, the sound editing team for Star Trek Lower Decks deserves mm. every award that this industry has, because the sound editing in this episode alone is some of the best work of the entire series. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, because it's just layers and layers and layers of Richard Kind in various spots. And it's all very discernible from all of the other duplers. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was an amazing job. But I thought between the A and B stories, I thought that there was tremendous flow and that it worked really well, honestly. I can appreciate that. Casey, you agree? I do. I, do. I mean, part of it, talking with, with Bill saying the sound design on all this, is, and this may be very bizarre, but... As I was thinking about the whole Duplers, and Dad, you were saying earlier, you know, what was their planet like? I, in my head, I go, are they cannibals? <laughs> I mean, really? I was like, do they freak out and just like, <laughs> what happens to all? And then do they know if they get each other all ticked off that <laughs> they come back? And there, there were aspects on this that were really really bizarre and i'm glad they they took the chance they might not have hit it every time for everyone but they took the chance that brings up a very important question so they they if they get if they get anxious they duplicate if you mm-hmm. get them pissed off they unduplicate or or start cutting back down to normal once you get to the original what happens if you piss him off will he go away forever because if that happens i'm going to really try to piss bill off right now <laughs> I don't wow. think so. I wonder <laughs> I wonder if in Dupler society there are various groups. Um mm-hmm. maybe there is a group of ones that are more antagonistic than the ones who were more anxious and they offset each other. Um we just we don't know enough. I don't I don't I think that to to think that their entire planet may be overpopulated like you know, the Mark of Gideon and TOS mm. is probably a stretch because there has to be some sort of natural offset in the ecosystem. Maybe it's that. Maybe, you know, Captain Freeman just kind of stumbled upon what naturally exists on their planet. We don't know. Let me ask you this because I don't remember off the top of my head. Were they new members of the Federation or are they just visiting? Anybody I, remember? I don't remember. I think they were just visiting. Okay. Because I was going to say, if that was a new member of the Federation, there'd be a lot of questions, I think, for me anyway. Oh, um, yeah. Well, I think those questions might have been asked beforehand if, if you're joining yeah. up of like... Well, but would they? Huh. Because their worst sin is that they get anxious. I mean, look at Klingons. <laughs> they get embroiled yeah. in civil war and cut people's heads off. The, the one um, thing that yeah, I have a problem they're with... They're still our allies. With, with that is, is if they remember the Federation and you had to walk on eggshells the way that the, 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 the um, command crew was doing at the beginning of the episode, that would drive anybody crazy. It would, but every Federation member world has their customs. Well, that's true. That's true, too. Now, I don't want to say that I hated the episode because I didn't. There were a lot of things that I actually liked very Hater. much in this episode. <laughs> um, I got to say, I loved, even though we talked about the party and whether it would be something that Starfleet would ever do, I loved seeing Captain Shelby yes. at the party. 
I thought that was great. And I also loved seeing this alien that was actually one of the first ref, uh, original designs of Saru on Discovery. Yeah. I thought that was amazing. And just the other day, I don't know if it was Doug Jones or somebody else, posted out a few pictures of him in that test makeup, which you just saw in Lower Decks this week. I thought that was a great reference. So is now that alien race canon, even though they're not Kelpian? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They are. I'd like to know what they are. <laughs> that was pretty cool. It was well, very cool. Maybe at some point we'll find out. I think that would be a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. And and as everybody I'm sure is going to talk about is we talked about the bar scene a lot. And the bar scene was cool. I love the bartender. I don't know who did the voiceover of the bartender, but I she sounded very familiar. And I liked what she had to say. A lot of the references in the bar that we saw were very cool. The Doomsday Machine uh, model was one that, that, that still stands out in my mind. I love how Lower Decks does it. We've talked about it every week, I think, so far this season, guys, is they throw stuff in as callbacks in the background so that's not in your face. And I think that that's one of the things that I like best about what they do on the show. Plus, there was a great, uh, there was a great O'Connor reference in, yes, in, in the bar as, as the DJ. Now, at one point over the summer, uh, Billy Campbell said yeah. he was going to be doing Star Trek, the animated series Prodigy. And I think he was wrong. I don't think he was doing Prodigy mm-hmm. um, because that doesn't square with Okona now appearing in Lower Decks. Um, I just, I, I can't see it. Um, mm-hmm. and plus, I don't know how he gets to the Delta Quadrant. So <laughs> I'm going to assume that, that Okona is who we're supposed to see in, in Lower Decks and be done yeah. with it. And I'm happy with that. Maybe he threw a curveball yeah. just to confuse everybody. I think he just didn't know. Uh, okay. Yeah, um, or he I, was confused himself. Yeah, l- well, a little because bit. I mean, hey. there haven't been any Star Trek animated shows for forty years, forty-five yeah. years, <laughs> and now all of a sudden there's more than one. So I think he said the animated show, and somebody probably told him Prodigy because they didn't know about Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. And here we are. There here we, we are. go. I'm I also like to more we had all, appearances, right? And yeah. come on, let's talk. Let's talk about the awesome data. I just call them shampoo bottles. Because, you know, this is where I just go to licensing and I'm like, hey, if, you know, if you think it'll sell, let's let's try it out. And that was hysterical. Isn't that a little creepy, though? He died not too long ago because this takes place right after Nemesis, right? So they're making no one, no one ever dies. bottles? No one no, ever, at least after, ever dies, Dan. <laughs> at least after Voyager gets home. Well, that's, yeah. So it hasn't been too long, but that's okay. No. Would, you, would you have uh, data of shampoo in your shower, Bill? I absolutely would. What are you talking about? It's because I have hair. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I would, but I'd turn him around so he's not staring at my niblets. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm not even going to touch that. I'm just going to leave it as it is, and we're going to move right along. So, as I said, Shelby is a captain. Kirk and Spock vandalize a bar at a starbase once. It's now official Star Trek canon, guys. Um, and we'll just leave it at that. So, so Casey, what's God, tell, please tell us what's coming up next week on Lower Decks. Well, Danny boy, as you mentioned earlier in this episode, Sarah is on a highly secretive Section 31 mission to retrieve information on next week's episode. And she's yet to return, and none of us are cleared for Section 31 info. So, Episode 6 is currently a big mystery. But... We know it'll be just as great as all the episodes so far this season. Hope, hope. And we look forward to talking about it next week with all y'all. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by downloading the Trek Geeks Podcast Network app. 
And don't forget, you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Get access to the raw audio of all of our podcasts and a lot of other perks. Right now, we want to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. We are so thankful for their support. And they are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Julianne Jordan, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, as Bill likes to say, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shasky, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. If you would like to support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks podcast network, be them on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks today, where subscription levels start at two mere dollars a month. For more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out our other member podcasts on the Trek Geeks podcast network. In addition to Discovering Trek, there's our flagship podcast, Trek Geeks. There's also Rewind, Politrex, Five-Year Mission, Deep Space Pride, Infinite Trek, The Divine Treasury, Sci-Fi Sisters, and the brand new shows Drawn to Trek, Science Station 2, and With the First Link. You can find all our podcasts, including where to listen, by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network, no one, I said no one, talks Trek like we do. No one. Absolutely no No one. No one. No one. And well, everyone, we want to thank you for joining us for our discussion on Lower Decks Episode 5, An Embarrassment of Duplers. As always, I can't thank my crew enough for another great discussion. Bill and Casey, thanks so much for holding down the fort with me while Sarah is away. And we look forward to reuniting with her next week to talk all about Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 6. So until next week, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.